Coming up, did the Seattle Mariners blow the best chance they were going to get? And part two of power ranking the top 10 D-backs from the 2022 season, all on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 .myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks below Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners. I'm just, I hope you guys didn't hear that. Baseball Reference now wants to autoplay videos, which just absolutely kills me. So just want to say thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Would not be would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Hopefully that doesn't happen anymore. I don't know why Baseball Reference all of a sudden decided to start doing these autoplay videos with sound. Like I love to have Baseball Reference open while I'm working, doing the podcast, being able to look up quick stats. And now they're trying to ruin my podcast by having all these random videos play. Please stop it. I hate it on Baseball Reference. I hate it on ESPN. I hate it on any streaming service I watch. If I don't ask for the video to be played, stop playing it. That's my quick rant on that. But For today's podcast, we're doing part two, power ranking the top 10 D-backs from the 2022 season. We're doing D-backs five through eight today. But before we get to the power ranking, I first want to talk a little bit about the postseason because I want to talk about those first two series, the first two games that we saw um, in yesterday. By the time you guys are listening to this, I, you know, I'm recording this before the Yankees and the Dodgers game. So I want to talk about the Mariners and Phillies games just a little bit because that's some quick thoughts. And I first want to start with the Seattle Mariners because they absolutely blew this game to the Houston Astros. And it's crazy because the Mariners this postseason have done a really good job of jumping out to early leads. If you remember game one, Against the Toronto Blue Jays, they jumped Alec Manoa 3-0 in that first inning. You look at what they did to Justin Verlander, four runs in the first two innings, and Verlander had one of his worst starts, one of his worst postseason starts in his major league career, arguably the worst postseason start he's ever had because it was tied for the most runs he's ever allowed in a start with six earned runs, but only four innings pitched. The last time he allowed six earned runs, he went five innings, only four innings pitched against the Seattle Mariners. 10 hits allowed. It was not Verlander at all who was pitching out there. I don't know who that was on the mound because we saw Verlander this past regular season look like the Cy Young Award winner. I think he's going to win the Cy Young Award, but he did not show up in game one against the Seattle Mariners, and the Mariners were able to jump on him early, and 
the Mariners pitcher, Logan Gilbert, had a solid start. It wasn't an elite, but three earned runs over 5.1 innings pitch. Like, that's more than enough to give you the victory when your team does what they did against Justin Verlander. And it looked like the Mariners were going to be able to walk their way to a victory because they were up 7-3 to after seven innings. And the Mariners don't have, like, a terrible bullpen. Like, they had a pretty, a pretty good bullpen throughout the season. Their closing situation has been pretty solidified throughout the year with Patrick Seawald going for them in the back end of the bullpen. And... Seawald, I don't put the blame on him today, even though he was charged with two earned runs because he left the game when it was first and second. But I do not put today's blame on Seawald because if you're just looking at the box score, you you probably would blame him. You have to blame the manager, Scott Service, and you have to blame Robbie Ray because for any manager to think in a big high leverage moment, two on, ninth inning, which pitcher do I want there on the mound? Do I want my closer who did it all freaking season long for me? Who was a stud for me basically from start to finish? Who was the man closing games in a season where I broke the longest playoff drought in... Oh, his name is Paul Seawald, not Patrick. When I broke the longest playoff drought in sports history. Like, Seawald this year, he had a 2.67 ERA in 64 innings pitch. In a .76 whip. I'll repeat, a point. 7-6 whip, 10.1 strikeouts per nine. This guy, Seawald, was phenomenal this year. But in the ninth inning, Scott Service said, let me go with that lefty versus lefty matchup. He said he talked about it pregame with Robbie Ray. It was something that they discussed all week as a possibility, just a, a little bullet to throw Robbie Ray out there, a former Cy Young Award winner, just to mix it up and try to secure that victory. I don't know why Scott Service would think Robbie Ray is the answer in a high leverage moment like that. I could have told you as a D-backs fan, don't trust Robbie Ray in big moments. It's the reason why I thought the Mariners were going to lose to the Blue Jays because they had Robbie Ray um, going in game two. And guess what? He wasn't that good in game two. And now you're going to put him in in the ninth inning of a big ball game against the Houston Astros, who are like the best team we've ever seen over the last five years, um, at least in recent history. Like, I'll say it again for the people in the back. This Astros team since 2017 is in the championship series or better. You have a chance to jump out to a one nothing lead, taking down the Cy Young Award winner, and you're putting in Robbie Ray in the ninth inning to face Jordan Alvarez. Yes, it's a lefty-on-lefty matchup, but guess what? Against Alvarez, that does not matter. He had over a 300 average with like 10 home runs against lefties this year. He's been the best left-handed hitter against left-handed pitchers this season. A near 1,000 OPS against left-handed pitchers this year. So there was no instance where it made sense because Robbie Ray hasn't been great recently. Jordan Alvarez kills lefties. And you never trust Robbie Ray in a big, high-leverage moment ever. So the Mariners, I think, were set up to win this game. And they were deserving of winning this game until they decided to get cute and put Robbie Ray in the ninth inning. Let Seawald finish it. Yes, there was two on, but there were also two outs. This man was able to get the job done all freaking season long. And at the last moment, you're like, hey... Let me not trust this guy. That makes no sense to me if you're Scott Service. So Mariners, I I, I wanted you to be the team of destiny. Mariners are one of, the, one of my favorite teams to root for right now in the postseason. But after watching that display of putting in Robbie Ray in a big league and, and a big high leverage moment like that, I might be off the Mariners bandwagon after a decision made like that. And then I want to give some quick thoughts on the Phillies versus Braves series just because this was, a, a I think, an opportunity for the Braves to 
not steal this game because they're the better seed and they're the team that's coming off with better rest, putting out their number one ace in this game. Like this was a game that the Braves should have won when you look at all the factors. The Philly starter, Ranger Suarez, didn't even make it through four. He had five walks allowed, but that didn't matter because Max Fried, who's usually a great postseason pitcher, was not great today against the Phillies. The Phillies offense jumped all over him. We even saw the Phillies defense and Nick Castellanos make diving catches to end the game in the outfield. And now the Phillies are perfectly set up in this series against the Atlanta Braves. Zach Wheeler and Aaron, Aaron Nola going tomorrow in game two and game three, most likely. It's scary if you're an Atlanta Braves fan. You still feel confident. You still feel good about your team. It's only game one, but... With the way it's already shaking out, it's setting up to be a really good setup for the Phillies after stealing game one and then having your two best pitchers go in game two and game three. Like, this is the downside if you're the number one seed. Like, if you lose that game one, now all of a sudden you have to face usually the number one starter, number two starter on the other team in game two and game three. Meanwhile, your best pitcher probably won't be going for the rest of the series. So, Phillies are in great position to potentially steal this series against the Atlanta Braves, but I'm still not writing off the Braves no matter what. They're still looking solid, but I just know right now in the postseason when I look at all the teams left, especially the National League, specifically the National League, I just know I'm rooting for one of these two teams to make it out of the National League Championship Series because you know I'm not rooting for the Dodgers. They're the most evil empire in the National League. They're the Yankees of the National League. They're the, they're the D-backs NL West rival. I don't even know if you could call a rivalry because they just beat up on the D-backs all season. Same with the San Diego Padres. Both of them dominated the D-backs this season. So I don't want to see either of those teams win. So whoever wins this Braves versus Phillies matchup, best believe that's the team we're riding for, at least from the National League, the rest of the postseason. Now, Let's get into part two of our top 10 D-backs from the 2022 season. But before we get there, do you guys like wearing dress shirts? I typically don't because they're uncomfortable, they're tight, and they're just never my size. But that is not the case with a Roan dress shirt because this dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's computer, excuse me, Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It does not matter. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle-free release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry clean altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you use R-H-O-N dot com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort.
Let's get back into the podcast and let's power rank the top 10 D-backs from this season. Recap from our part one yesterday, honorable mentions I had down, Ketel Marte, Ryan Nelson, Kemp Ginkle, cracking in at number 10, I had Corbin Carroll. Number nine, I had Dre Jameson. So now let's move to number eight on our list, and that is Kyle Nelson, who was by far the D-backs or... By far, the D-back's second-best reliever is what I want to say. Kyle Nelson was great against both righties and lefties this season for the D-backs. He's a left-handed pitcher, and he actually pitched more against righties than he did against lefties. Against righties, 629 OPS allowed. Against lefties, 528 OPS allowed. So he pitched more against righties as a left-handed pitcher, and he was very effective against those righties as well, which is a very good signal. And Kyle Nelson also might have showed some potential to be the closer of the future for the D-backs. I don't think they want to go that way, but an 11.1 innings pitch of save situations hit a 1.59 ERA. Kyle Nelson held it down when he was given the opportunity to be a closer, which is Really important because how many guys did we see this season for the D-backs? It was a revolving door, especially that last season of guys attempting to be the D-backs closer. And no pitcher this season for the D-backs might have been better than Kyle Nelson in the closing situation. So the D-backs want to try him out there next season. I wouldn't be against it. I, I think he would be an interesting option. There are some other numbers to support why Kyle Nelson might be an interesting guy to look at when you, uh, excuse me. The new 2023 GMC Sierra 8. I am so sorry. I, like baseball reference is literally killing me right now. I'm going to murder whoever is working at baseball reference. I'm sorry. Don't take that as a threat. But if I see you in the streets, best believe you're catching a fade on site for changing to the stupid autoplay. Absolutely killing me right now. But like I was saying, other numbers to support while Kyle Nelson might be a pretty good closer for the D-backs. Well, he was elite with two outs. Absolutely shut down the door with two outs. A 474 OPS allowed when there was two outs on the board. He was also elite when men were on the bases. A 174 average and a 496 OPS allowed with men on. Now, if you want to look at the reverse side of maybe why he shouldn't be the closer, he wasn't the best in quote-unquote high leverage moments. A 297 average allowed, an 869 OPS allowed as well in high leverage moments for Kyle Nelson. So you don't love to see that. That's not the prettiest thing, but it's okay because he still was solid when it came to like the hard contact rate stats like Exit velocity, hard hit percentage, like they weren't elite. Like his exit velo on his pitches was 87, 87 miles an hour. Hard hit percentage was 38 and a half percent. Like those aren't great numbers, but they're not terrible either. So Kyle Nelson, I think for the most part, when you look at his pitching profile, I think he's shown enough this past season to prove why he should maybe get a chance at being the closer next year. I don't know if it will happen, but if the D-backs want to try Kyle Nelson to be the closer at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't be too upset at it. He throws his slider two-thirds of the time. His fastball, only a third of the time, but his fastball was absolutely unhittable this past season. He was the, the dude I trusted the second most, like I said. Joe Mansply is definitely this past season was the most trustworthy reliever. Kyle Nelson wasn't far behind him. And there was one game this season that Kyle Nelson did start. And I wonder, maybe the D-backs try doing that again in the future. If they have to start Madison Bumgarner next year, maybe you do that reverse 
opener thing where you start Kyle Nelson for the first couple innings and then you bring in Mad Bum for like innings three through five, three through six, something like that. So Mad Bum doesn't have to pitch five innings. You still get him to the six, but he's not pitching the whole game. Maybe just something to think about with Kyle Nelson since he did make at least one start last year in 2022. But he checks in firmly and confidently at number eight on the top 10 D-backs from 2022. Number seven, we got Josh Rojas on this list. And the first thing you have to talk about Josh Rojas when you talk about his 2022 season is the fact that he turned into a speed demon out of nowhere. I did not expect this from Josh Rojas because it was never like a speedster in the past, right? Like when you look at Josh Rojas last year in 2021, he played 139 games, nine stolen bases, right? This past season, in 125 games, 23 stolen bases for Rojas, and he only got caught stealing three times. Like, I think Dalton Varsho got caught stealing like six times in 2022. Like, Rojas, when he went, he was he was pretty much guaranteed to be safe. And I also like the way he ended this season because over his last 14 days, his last 10 games started, Josh Rojas, 333 average, 933 OPS, just some positive momentum going into the offseason. And what I liked about Josh Rojas from this past season is just how aggressive he was at the plate compared to like past years. Like he was swinging at less pitches, he was swinging earlier in counts because this guy just did not care. The first pitch, Josh Rojas this season batted 310. With the 845 OPS on the first pitch he saw in a bat. Like this guy used to jump out early. And what also made Josh Rojas very interesting is he was also very good with two outs. Like I love me a good two out hitter because it means you can keep the rally alive, you can keep the inning alive. Sometimes you get it, you know, sometimes you see two outs, nobody on. Somebody comes up to the plate, that dude hits a double. You're like, you don't think much of it because it's two outs and then it's a double. And then the next guy might hit a two-run shot with the two outs. Or maybe and maybe Rojas is that guy hitting the double. Or maybe he's that guy hitting the two-run shot. So the fact that Josh Rojas is a good two-out hitter, like he has a 302 average and an 810 OPS with two outs, like that is a very positive and encouraging sign for keeping the inning alive and getting crooked numbers. On the scorecard, he was also very good with runners in scoring position this past season. Not elite, I would say, but very good because he had a 295 average, which is very good, and a 774 OPS with runners in scoring position. Now, his numbers were pretty elite with men on 316 average, and at 849 OPS with men on the bases. So you like to see that. He was also pretty good in high leverage moments as well. 282 average and an 806 OPS in high leverage moment. So Josh Rojas was clutch. Men on the bases, two outs. You know this guy's coming through. High leverage moments. You know this guy's coming through as well. So you got to love what Josh Rojas did from that standpoint. If you look at his hard contact stats, which I'm trying to pull up right now, those I could use a little bit more improvement in. 87 mile an hour exit velo. Um, 36% hard hit percentage. Like those numbers are solid, but once again, not great. I would like to see those numbers improve. One number he did improve that I like this season strikeout rate 24.9% strikeout rate last season, 19.2% this year, while his walk rate stayed the same. You do love to see that. His ground ball rate also went from 49% to just 40.8%. So you'd love to see that as well. Like I said before, 
lowest pitches per plate appearance in his career this past season. He was seeing less pitches per plate appearance because this guy was so much more aggressive in his plate appearances. He was not waiting for pitches. He was going out and attacking the pitches he wanted to see. It led to his highest contact percentage in his major league career. That's also a big reason, I think, is I also think it's a big reason as to why he crushed the fastball in 2022 as well. So Rojas, I think, did make slight improvements at the plate despite his overall numbers, like his traditional stat line still being like not super stellar and maybe a little bit worse than last year. Like he basically put up the same stat line as last year when you look at his slash line. Last year, bad 264. This year, 269. Last year, 752 OPS. This year, 739 OPS. So his traditional stat line was pretty much the same. But I think some of the more advanced numbers like strikeout percentage and other things like that, I think showed him actually improved this year. He was a little bit better with men on, runners in scoring position. So I had a little bit more faith in Rojas with the bat in his hands than I did in years past. And now that he's turned into a speed demon as well, this guy is a real table setter for the D-backs at the top of the lineup. Now, we're going to get into number six and number five in our top 10 D-backs rankings. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because if you guys haven't tried the Bilt Bar Puffs yet, I do not know what you're doing. You're depriving yourself because if you love chocolate and marshmallows, you need to try these things because Puffs are protein-infused, marshmallow-infused protein bars, which are absolutely delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate, soft, easy to chew. And the reason why I love Bilt Bar is because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. They got these things called cookie dough chunk puffs, only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Like I said, if you're trying to get near 20 grams of protein, for around 150 calories, nothing is better than the Built Bar for you. The new 2023 GMC Sierra AT4X is equipped. Jesus Christ, baseball reference. Please, please stop. Nothing is better than the Built Bar. I, you know what? I'm just going to start over with Bill Bar because I don't want to do our sponsors dirty with a baseball reference video just sneaking in the middle. So get you a Bill Bar. It's delicious, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Get the puffs, marshmallow infused, protein infused, covered in a 100% real chocolate, soft, easy to chew. I eat Bill Bars almost every day, right before the gym, sometimes right after the gym, just depends on the time of day it is. Like I said, if you want something near 150 calories, but near 20 grams of protein as well, you have to get these. And the reason why I love them over other protein bars is because they actually taste good. Most protein bars don't taste good. Bill Bars are absolutely delicious. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKDOWN15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. We'll probably hear at least one more baseball reference video um, throughout the night, but let's get into our number six power ranking spot. And we got Joe Mantipai, who checks in as the best D backs reliever from this past season. His whip, 
his strikeouts per nine and his walks per nine were greatly improved in 2022 because if you remember last season you probably don't remember trivial stats like this off the top of your head but his whip last year 1.563 this year 1.083 his walks per nine last year 3.9 this year 0.9 Strikeouts per nine last year, 8.6. Strikeouts per nine this year, 9.2. Greatly approved in some just traditional numbers, which is always nice to see. We could just track the easy numbers, right? Good against righties and lefties. Joe Mantiply is a left-handed pitcher himself. And again, like how Nelson actually pitched more times against righties, which is actually crazy because Toy Lovello is the, you know, the, the king of the matchup. But he doesn't use his relievers like that, which is pretty weird. Mantiply against righties, 676 OPS allowed. Against lefties, 579 OPS allowed. Very good job, Joe Mantiply. Now, he did come back a little bit to earth in the second half of the season because he had a 2-2-1 ERA in the first half. Led to Joe Mantiply being the lone all-star for the D-backs in 2022. But his second half ERA, 3-8-6. But I think that was mostly anchored by a 5-7-9 ERA in the month of July. He was pretty solid in the months after that. So I think the... July ERA really tanked his second half ERA, so I still think he was a pretty good second half reliever. Definitely did come back to earth a little bit, but that was probably more because of workload and fatigue, because if it wasn't man's player, Kyle Nelson, like, again, who else are you trusting? Like, the Kevin Ginkles and Taylor Wideners of the world? Like, I gave, I gave Kevin Ginkle an honorable mention, but he's still not a guy I have a super ton amount of faith in. Mantiply was solid in save situations for the D-backs. He had a 3-3-8 ERA in save situations. So he was solid, but I don't think he's the D-backs closer. I feel more strongly about Count Nelson getting an opportunity than Joe Mantiply getting an opportunity to be the closer for the D-backs. I think Count Nelson, or excuse me, I think Joe Mantiply is better set up to just be a set-up eighth-inning kind of a guy because if you look at his eighth-inning stats, actually... Joe Mantiply, his best ERA came in the eighth inning. 2-1-2 ERA in the eighth inning. 29 innings pitch as well in the eighth inning. More innings pitch in the eighth inning than any other year this year. So I think Joe Mantiply can be pretty locked into being the setup man for the D-backs next season. But some areas of concern for Joe Mantiply, um, he wasn't great with runners of scoring positions. Shockingly, Mantiply had a 300 average allowed and an 817 OPS allowed with runners in scoring position. Also wasn't very good in high leverage moments, 356 average and a 932 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. So it does give you a little bit of pause for concern whether when the D-backs turn to a good team, if Joe Mantiply is going to turn into a pumpkin as the D-backs are transcending, will Joe Mantiply be just another bullpen arm that holds the D-backs back once the game start to matter? I think it's a legit question, but I think I still trust Mantiply. And in reality, Mantiply should, shouldn't be the go-to setup man. Despite how good he was this season, pretty much any other bullpen, Mantiply probably isn't the best reliever or the second best reliever. He probably should be like a seventh inning guy or another high leverage arm lefty specialist that you bring out of the bullpen, but you probably shouldn't be the go-to setup man for your team. That probably shouldn't be the case. I don't think most teams would use Mantiply that way, just that the D-backs are so starving for relievers. He has such a big role on this team. So I would like to get Mantiply in a rotation of bullpen arms. I'm like, yeah, some days he's our second or third best reliever and other days he's our fifth or sixth best reliever. And that's okay because we have a legitimate four to six arms we trust. So we need to get to a place where we can trust more guys than just Joe Mantiply. 
His hard contact stats given up were solid this year. They weren't elite or anything like that, but they were pretty solid. 85.6 exit velocity allowed is very good. 37.6% hard hit percentage allowed. That's pretty solid as well. Nothing too crazy. What I do like for Joe Mantiply, his ground ball rate was all the way up this season. 44.6% ground ball rate in 2021. 54.3% ground ball rate in 2022. We absolutely love to see that. And it's not a surprise because he's a go-to sinker ball pitcher. That's his go-to pitch. But his two best pitches were actually his curveball and changeup. All three pitches lead to a lot of ground balls. And Joe Mantiply was very effective at getting the ground ball this season. So Joe Mantiply, you are the sixth best player for the D-backs this past season. Now, I want to get into number five as well. Who was the fifth best player for the D-backs this season? I want to discuss it on today's podcast, but you know what? I'm actually, I actually think I'm going to save it so we could do an unveiling of the top five D-backs from the 2022 season. That's just a nice way to round it out. Top five, right? That just sounds better, rolls off the tongue a little bit better as well. People love round numbers, so I think a top five list could do great numbers on YouTube. So we're going to save number five for tomorrow. So you know what that means? You need to come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked On MLB with my pal Sully Baseball, Walking Baseball Encyclopedia and Historian. So go check out his podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.